So if you have noticed a theme uh, to these, these presentations, the idea is to affect how we actually live. Okay? Uh, I'm not much of a theoretician. Uh, I, I don't care for it. Uh, I think it breeds hypocrisy in our lives as Christians. Uh, you know, where we search for knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Now, that's a pretty tough setting for a university, isn't it? But you know what the Scriptures tell us about knowledge? Knowledge alone puffs up. That's probably a good principle to have in a university setting, isn't it? Is to realize that knowledge by itself can be an extreme detriment to our livelihood, to our lives. Now, does that mean knowledge is not valuable? No, the fear of the Lord, the Scripture says, is the beginning of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the Scriptures, we're also told, why do men depart from evil? Through fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And so we, we find that knowledge can be useful when it's knowledge that is converted to actually doing the will of God. And there's knowledge of all kinds. Uh, I, I've had a chance to talk to some of you who are in the medical field, some that are in engineering, uh, in all of these things. And they're really beneficial for the purpose of a lifestyle that fulfills God's requirements in what is termed uh, the dominion mandate. How many of you are familiar with that term? The dominion mandate. Okay. And, and so that has never changed in the course of, of the scriptures, God's requirements to us. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so this is the dominion mandate that man was to go forward and to develop all of the resources that God has given him. That's in Genesis 1, 26 uh, and goes through 28. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And this word dominion is an interesting word. It means that we are... Uh, to tread down, to subjugate, uh, or to prevail against. In other words, God created all these resources. Now, why did God create all these resources? Well, the Scriptures tell us in the book of Revelation 
why God did that. And uh, the scripture says in Revelations 4.11, For thou art worthy, O Lord, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. So as you go forth into the field that God has called you in, there's a specific assignment that God has for you in that field, and that is to take dominion of it for Christ. To advance the kingdom of God in the field where God has called you. He repeats this over in the 8th Psalm. And he says this, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For you have made him, talking about man, a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hand, and you put all things under his feet. Now you notice something in the dominion mandate that's missing? He's to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, the earth itself, the things in the sea, and the stuff that crawls upon the earth, right? What's missing from that? I'm sorry. Not other men. Not other men. Okay? Now, what is it man is always trying to take dominion of? Each other. Now, this dominion mandate is repeated in a different way in another part of Scripture. We are to go forth into these fields and we are to take dominion for Jesus Christ. Now, this makes for a great conversation in business. And people will say, why you're in business? Why, why, why do you do this? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're on a hunt to become the dominion team in this field. We want to find all the solutions that are just and right and honorable. And where things are not that, we want, we want to correct them. But the dominion mandate was stated in another way in the New Testament. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so again, we see the task here is that we're to go forward and we are to take dominion of the nations, teaching them the things which the Lord, and when we say take dominion, we don't mean exercising dominion over them, but it's done through the teaching and the exampling of it. Well, a lot of times Christians have the mistaken view uh, that their goal is to get to heaven. Okay? That's not to demean heaven. But Jesus Christ made a prayer that thy will be done where? On earth. As it is in heaven. 
Now, how many of you think God needs your help in God in, in doing the will of God in heaven? Okay. Personally, I think he's got it figured out. So this was given. Is God going to answer the prayer of Jesus Christ for the will of God to be done on this earth? If he is going to do that, then what's the mechanism? Well, he called the holy nation into existence, a peculiar people, a, a people who are kings and priests unto God. And we are to go forth in our different callings to take dominion for Christ. And so, having that as our purpose, what is in every field of endeavor to have the first priority in our lives? God tells us. He said, Tim Yarbrough, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's an assignment of priority to my life, to your life, to all of us as brothers and sisters. We go forward seeking First, the kingdom of God. How does the kingdom impact in this? For instance, what's the impact of the kingdom on the University of Florida? Good question, isn't it? Does God want Florida, the University of Florida, to reflect and glorify and honor Him? Absolutely. He would like to see the same thing at the University of Alabama and Auburn. Now, I can't speak for some of the other places, but I can tell you that's not happening at the University of Alabama, and it's not happening at the University of Auburn. There are pockets of believers there. But the university has its background and its founding within the Christian faith. And the reason it does is because they thought so highly that Christians needed to read the Word of God. And so education and learning and dominion was important to them so much so that they built the first institutions of higher learning here in this country, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Brown. All of those were started as Christian institutions. And <clears throat> I was down at the University of Alabama. One morning I had a client uh, that was actually on campus. And I got a call and they needed me to come down early on Saturday morning. I arrive at 4.15 Saturday morning, a.m., and out, uh, the, the, the client was across from the football stadium, all right, and on that road that, that passed by there that was on campus, uh, y'all are not going to believe this, but they had bars and all these juke joints and all this stuff on the college campus, of all things. And there were approximately six to 800 young people out there at 4.15 a.m. Saturday morning. Most of them in country boy language, drunker than Cooter Brown. Mom and daddy paying $40,000 a year so they could get boozed up. And mom and dad probably, many of them had no idea what was going on. But the client that I went to, guys, had a store on campus and they had to shut the lights off in the parking lot so that the students wouldn't come over there and create potential liabilities because of their conduct or the conduct of the guys and the gals. Well, I don't think there's a lot of honor 
for Christ there. But when you look at the university that you attend, do you pray for it that this will come become a bastion of light for the cause of God's kingdom? It's an interesting challenge, isn't it? We should be praying for that, for God to convert these people, to raise it up. And so <clears throat> with that, what I want to do is I want to encourage you in what I believe is the most fundamental lifestyle change that we can, any of us can make. It will radically alter the way you see everything about the world. You've heard me repeat these scriptures a few times. <clears throat> but how many of you, don't, don't answer this question out loud. How many of you would consider that your re first response under people, pressures, and problems is a spirit of thanksgiving? Thanksgiving to God. That God is so intimately involved in your life and my life that our first response is to thanksgiving to God. In Ephesians 5.20, we're told giving thanks unto God the Father in all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it's one of my favorite scriptures and one of my favorite lifestyle scriptures, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So here's the reality. Is it God's will for us, you and I as believers, in everything to give thanks? Yeah. What about when we fail? You know what the psalmist David said? It was good for me that I have been afflicted, for then did I learn thy statutes. Now there's a lot of jokes made about foxhole religion, but that's foxhole religion right there, friend. I'm afflicted, and it was good for me. While I'm under this, this, this tremendous pressure, and it was good for me, for then did I learn thy statutes. Oh, this, this pressure that came to me. Difficult problems. So how do we do that? Well, there's a process for this. A lifestyle of thankfulness rather than joining in the bemoaning. Uh, now, there is a place for us to cry out to God. But, you know, when you read the Psalms, David was not on a platform in front of a whole bunch of people complaining or saying, Lord, I'm troubled. I'm right. He was talking to God. And then he this turned into songs that reflected reality of life. But he didn't stay there. And so in our lifestyles, learning to discipline and training ourselves to be thankful, to be a thanksgiving people in people, pressures, and problems, to learn that the first words out of my mouth are to be thanksgiving. Now, how do you do that? If that's not your lifestyle, and I can assure you, this started for me, another one of those things, at the age of 35. It started for me at the age of 30. Radical year for me because God said, you know, Tim, you're 35. How about growing up? And uh, I was kind of opposed to the idea. Uh, 
But, but, but I begin, but here's the process. You know, if you go into the Westminster Confession of Faith, and the question is asked, are there some sins that are more heinous than others? Are there degrees of sin? Absolutely, there are. Jesus even said, he that delivered me to you has the greater sin, right? And in God's law, you have some sins that require restitution, right? I mean, you, you, if you steal and it's a productive element, you've got to return four or five times. You know we used to do that in this country. We had restitution or retribution, which are God's two, two methods. And so when we, when we think about uh, this, this spirit of, of thanksgiving, and in the Westminster Confession, it tells us a process about heinous sins. And it says that some sins become more heinous by the aggravation of moving from our thoughts to our words to our actions. You ever thought about that? Like, I've had certain thoughts, and were they sinful when they were in my mind? You bet they were. But did their influence increase when I spit them out? Oh, yeah. And then when I put them into action, did it get worse? It did. Okay. So what if we as Christians decided that we're going to stop that process by in our, our, our failure to be thankful to God and to consider that in everything we are to give thanks to God? And what if we started by restraining our conduct, how we did our conduct? Now, typically what we'd like to do is cut off the whole hog, right? Just conquer it all at once. And if you're like me, I, that has never happened in my life. Okay. So what if I could start out, I already know, I know that my lack of gratitude can come out in my expressions of speech and in my conduct. So what if I were to start by restraining my conduct and restraining my speech? Lord, I know that you require me to be thankful in everything. I know that, and I can think those thoughts. And you know what's going on up here, but I would really like to keep this sin bottled up right here. And that conversation starts going on in your head, and you begin to restrain your feet. One of the things that happened uh, early on in my Christian walk when I would lose control of my spirit one of the things that happened is, is that we use this principle. Uh, and I would say, I would just speak out loud, I'm about to lose control of my spirit, and I know that is wrong, and I know it's sinful. I have to stop it. You'll have to pardon me. i got to get away. Now, sit in a business meeting and pull that off. All right? I've done it. And people are sitting there. I get up and leave. Well, they want to accomplish something, and I'm aware that if I sit there much longer, my lack of discipline is so poor, I'm going to increase the influence of my sin. So I go out, and I begin to pray, and pretty soon the Lord deals with me. Right? Now I can go back in, and I can sit down, and I say, okay, I think I'm past that point of sinning. So let's continue. Well, the impact that that has on other people can be tremendously positive. 
but we learn to restrain our sins. Well, now, we, we didn't eliminate it, did we? It's still sin up here. But I've, in, I've stopped the influence of it from spreading. Okay? And that's a wonderful beginning. Now, what happens is, is that the more you become conscious of the fact that I am to give thanks in everything, you'll learn how to start working this stuff out in your life. Because that conversation will go on in your head all the time. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. And so what happens is, is that then you begin to develop a pattern of saying, okay, I want to stop right now and I want to give God thanks for whatever this is. If you don't take the time to do this, what you will do, what I will do, is we will go back to whatever rut we've developed historically. I mean, that's what we do. And if we don't change the process of becoming a thankful people. Have you ever been around people like that who were so appreciative and thankful and, and they were just always encouraging? And, and those people, they're like a magnet, aren't they? They're just, they're like a magnet. You want to be around those kind of people. I'm not sure why I want to be around them, but I just like it. And so we learned how to start doing this. Well, I'm just going to share with you the things that I had to work out in my life. For instance, I had never been thankful to the Lord for sleep uh, until I did a study in the Scriptures on what sleep is. Then I found out what it was. It was a gift of God. And I had never been thankful to the Lord, uh, for instance, for food. Now, I said the blessing, you know what I mean? You do that because I live in Alabama. Um, and it's, it's just heresy not to, to, to say blessing over the food. But I mean to truly be thankful to God for food because the Scripture tells us that there's nothing better for you, Tim Yarborough, to do but to enjoy the labor of your hands and your food and rejoice in it for it is the gift of God. And, and learning to be thankful for these things for what they actually, what God tells us they are. And so I began to learn how to practice these things, and then children. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And learning how to give God thanks for each of my children and then my grandchildren. And it's amazing what that does to you, like uh, when, when grandchildren or children challenge you and you've been praying for them. You respond to them entirely different. Lord, thank you for this grandson. Thank you for the way you've made him. Thank you for the challenges you're going to give him. Thank you for putting him in the home that you did. And then, you know, he does whatever he does. And God reinforces in your mind how thankful you were for what God did with this child. And so we learn how to be thankful. I do the same thing. I learned to do that with my wife. And so my wife and I go through a process of creating lists of thankfulness. We go through each of our grandchildren and the circumstances and our, uh, their spouses. And we go through and, and we give thanks to God. And it trains us how to think about these things. Now, here's another interesting thing. 
when you start thanking God for problems, have you ever noticed you got a problem, whatever problem is, it's problem A. And you start complaining about it, and you start murmuring, and you start resenting it. What happens to the human mind? It begins to close down, doesn't it? It becomes narrower and narrower. But what happens to us when we look at these problems? And I'm talking about problems we feel the pressure from. You know, a lot of us, we, could, we deal with work problems, and it's a little bit different. But as we learn to be thankful, our minds expand into possibilities into solutions, into the, how we can solve these things. And we begin to embrace those things as the realities. We give thanks to God for them. So in, uh, in our businesses, and I've shared this sitting around the table some, this impact with our friends, like uh, when we're on the, the phone and, and we're with friends, when you get together, Taking, how many of you have taken the time with your friends here in school, your Christian brothers and sisters, and just made a list with them of the things to give thanks for, their parents, their upbringing, the trials God has given them, learning to pray together to give thanks unto God, and learning then through that to encourage one another in thanksgiving, because thanksgiving will prevent you from moving from primary cause to secondary cause. That is the one antidote that will keep you from doing that, if it's genuine and real. Because unless you are thankful, it will be impossible for you to believe that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called to His purpose. Now, you can theoretically believe that. But it won't be like you will engage your spirit and your heart and your mind, your emotions and your passions. But we engage all of those things in being thankful to the Lord. And so with, with learning how to discipline ourselves to do that, see these things, they're not exciting, right? I mean, they're just not earth shattering until you put them into practice. They're the disciplines that require time and effort and energy. And you can easily be discouraged by them until you change that pattern of behavior and it becomes a new pattern. Typically, what we've discovered, and the research that we've seen, shows that you can break a, a pattern in 30 days. But it takes 90 days to replace it. Otherwise, when you come up against the brick wall, guess what you do? You fall back to the pattern that you had before. And so this is something that we have to consistently do. And I want to show you how this works out in real life. How many of you ever heard of, in the early church, uh, you know that the Roman dad, he had the power of life and death over his children. And with the power of life and death, he didn't want a child then what they would do in the cities of Rome is they, they would put the child in an alleyway in a basket, or if it was in the rural areas, they would put a child under a bridge and in a basket and be a newborn infant. And the intent was that those children would become the meal for the packs of wild dogs that roamed in the cities of Rome or out in the countryside. Now the Christians 
what they did was they began to give thanks to God for the way the Lord orchestrated all this. And there's some great testimonies of this. And what they did is they organized and they would go through the alleyways each night and they would gather up those abandoned children and they would go under the bridges and gather up those children. Now they were accused of cannibalism, using them for sacrifice and all that, but what happened is they went and got them and they brought them into their homes and raised them as Christians. They did this for over 300 years. It's where we got, we have an adoption program in North Alabama where we are working to adopt every abandoned baby in North Alabama. We're trying to create a model. And we took it from, it was called the bridge work. 300 years they did this. Incredible testimony of the faithfulness of God's people over a fairly extended period of time. Okay, so when you ta start talking about changing habits or changing directions or changing ways to be thankful. Another thing that God led us to do <clears throat> is in every business that we work with, uh, the businesses that we buy and the businesses that we start, <clears throat> every week we have a, a list. Uh, and, and in this list we have people, pressures, and problems, right? We, we, you have all this stuff. And there's nothing earth-shattering about this, but I can tell you what happens over time is pretty exciting. Because in this case, uh, every week when we have our meetings, we go through this list and we pray and we thank God for these people, for these pressures, for these problems. Every week. Now, prior to buying these businesses, we go and talk with people and say, look, this is where we're coming from, this is what we're going to do, etc. And I want to show you the impact and why this is important for you and I. It's important for you because you develop a response mechanism that is in accord with Scripture. But there's even something else that's important. About six weeks ago, I get a call from an office manager. And this office manager said to me, I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate, since you guys bought the company and, and you've taken over, how much I appreciate your approach. She said, you know, every Monday when we do our call, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make this list of problems and we're going to give thanks for them and we're going to ask God what is it we're to learn and what can we do to correct this problem. And she said, I, I know this. And she said, you know, I used to hate when problems came my way. I used to resent it because it was always trouble, it was always difficulty. And it created all kinds of, of, of issues, and it's, the stress level was incredible and high. And she said, you know what's happened since this, this has been going on is that now, she's the gatekeeper, by the way. She said, since this has been going on, this is how God trains His own people. She said, you know, I get these calls or things happen, and I just stop at my desk and I begin to pray and to thank God. And I used to so hate calling the owners and having to tell them what these problems was, you know, whatever they were. 
But I know that when I call you guys, I know exactly what you're going to say. Now imagine in whatever stress situations you've been, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to call somebody, you're going to tell them, and their first response is, look, let's give God thanks. What do you think is going to happen to your stress level? You think it would go down? Let's give God thanks. And so, and that's what we do. And she said, I know that's what you are going to do. Now, that's not because we're doing it uh, in the sense that we, we didn't start it. This is God's principle. And she said, you know, when we, you guys first took over this company, I went home and told my husband and children what we were doing. And they thought that was the weirdest thing that Christians were giving thanks for people, pressures, and problems. And she said, this goes on month after month after month after month, and I find out, y'all are not kidding. This is serious. Y'all are going to stay with this. And you know what we started doing at home? We started having Thanksgiving prayer meetings in our home. And we began to give God thanks for the conflicts and the stresses, and the problems. And our whole home changed. The environment in my home changed. And so then in the office she shared with us, she said, you know, uh, the other ladies in the office, uh, they know about this and they participate some, but they started their own meeting among them. There are four of them. And they started their own meeting giving thanks unto God. Now, let me tell you what I have seen happen in the lives of people who develop a spirit, a life of thanksgiving and praise. I have watched people who have kept themselves so stressed out over people, pressures, and problems radically alter their health by learning to cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving. A merry heart doth good, how? Like a medicine. God tells us this. And we're learning today in, in the medical field, some of you who are in the medical field, the connection between the human spirit and health. I mean, it's really, there's some interesting studies that just came out. Our, uh, we have a lab, and in that lab we get these, these different reports, and they're pretty fascinating. But you know what they're doing is that they're revealing that God, the Creator, actually knew what He was doing. You know? A merry heart it does good like a medicine. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And so learning to cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving in all of these things. Now you can go through the scriptures, and I, I don't do that. I've got a bunch of scriptures listed here. But, but you guys can go through the scriptures, and you can write these out and give thanks. So I, I, we will enter His courts with thanksgiving. We will write with praise. Everything about life is, you cannot go through the scriptures and not see this as praise and thanksgiving to God in all kinds of circumstances and in everything. So I want to encourage you to take up just a study and a habit. Now, when I asked the question earlier, if it, is this your lifestyle? Is this, does this mark you? Being a person who is thankful, filled with thanksgiving. We all know it's commanded in Scripture, don't we? That is not the question. 
The question is, does this convert itself into our lifestyles? The benefits are incredible to us of learning to cultivate a thankful spirit. So I want, I want to close with encouraging you to do this. Now, here's what you can do. You can say, man, that's really nice. It's nothing earth-shattering about this. I mean, it's, it's, it's a discipline, right? It, it is a discipline of moral virtue. You will not get it overnight. But I can tell you this, you'll never get the second step till you get the first. Now, in the Scriptures, there's a principle. First the blade, then the ear, then the harvest, right? There will never be a harvest without the blade. It doesn't happen that way. So, guys, wherever you are in terms of your life has nothing to do with other people, even though you may encourage one another, but it has to do you, do you doing, making a commitment to be honorable to what God has commanded us. Tim Yarborough, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And so if we become a people who are thankful, who are just filled with thanks, it will have such an impact on your life, your families, your community of believers. It's incredible. Let's not take these, what we think are simple tools, but they're life-altering. I have worked with a, a number of businesses and where I have seen this change people just radically in terms of their lifestyle, their view. And you just stay consistent. Just discipline yourself to be thanksgivers in everything. I want to thank you, brothers, for allowing me to come. It, you guys can tell I'm not much of a I'm not a polished public speaker. I'm a country boy uh, that God has called me to do what I do, and I'm so thankful to the Lord for the trials that He's given me and and for the things that God has taught me and that He reproves me with. <clears throat> but with you guys, you guys have the potential in the different places where God sends you. Now, I'm not one of those going to pat you on the back and tell you you're going to do great things. Okay. Hopefully, God is going to be so pleased to try you deeply with pe people, pressures, and problems because it's only in the depthness of that trying that you're going to have the maturity of character to be stalwart soldiers of Jesus Christ. Whether you accomplish great things for God or not would depend on whether or not you are willing to be obedient to what He commands you to do. And whatever those things are, God will use you for those purposes. And they will be so refreshing to your life, so satisfying to what you do, because you're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are Your people. Well, what a joy it is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. To be redeemed, to be bought with a price. Lord, to have the dominion mandate as a purpose to go forward for the kingdom of God. Lord, to be challenged to learn how to live in a spirit of thanksgiving every single day of our lives. Knowing that the God of heaven disciplines the children whom He loves. 
and that it's evidence of your care for us, and that it is your goal that we would grow up unto Christ. Thank you for these brothers. And I pray that you will make them the most responsible generation of Christians this world has ever yet known. And that your name would be so honored among them that in a thousand years when they write books that it will be these brothers that they will point to and say that generation changed the world for Christ. May it be so for your name. Amen.